and for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, if you did pick up a, a notice sheet on your way in, you'll see that Mike Addis is meant to be preaching, and you'll notice that Mike Addis is not preaching, uh, and that's because uh, Mike texted me yesterday afternoon and said, uh, it's, I guess it's how things go, isn't it, at the moment. I've, I've gone and done a COVID test, and it looks like I've got COVID, so um, that's why you've got me this morning rather than Mike. Um, but it's great to be able to share with you for a few moments. And um, I was thinking uh, back over the last kind of few months that I've been here in um, southeast London. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I've noticed and I've got very excited about is the amount of free parking uh, here around there. It is an amazing thing coming from West London. I was in West London yesterday for a wedding and there are restrictions all around. And I was saying to Lydia in the car, you, you just don't get this in southeast London. It's amazing free parking. Uh, I even remember the very first weekend we were here um, and there was a licensing service for us um, on the Sunday evening. So that meant there was no service on the Sunday morning. And so we decided to go to Crystal Palace Park. And we went there, and that was a beautiful farmer's market. We had a lovely time, uh, lots of lovely food, just time with family. But the thing I was talking about on the way back was the fact that we could park and not pay, because I was so astonished uh, that that was the case. Why do I begin with that? I begin with that because in life and in faith, it's easy to get our priorities out of sync and to miss what's most important. Free parking is great, but compared to a lovely time at a farmer's market and time with family, it really wasn't the most important thing, and so I shouldn't really have been talking about that as much as I did. But we see this all the time, don't we? The, the idea that we can drift into getting our priorities not perhaps where they should be or where we'd want them to be. One of the things that I like to do in my spare time is read biographies of notable people. And uh, one of the things that you often hear people say is that I had to put my career, I had to put work before my family. And I often think, but did you? Did you really? My family had to suffer because of the pursuit of my career. But you know, rarely at the end of someone's life, does someone say, I wish I spent a few more hours in the office? That's my uh, last request, or that's my biggest regret, that I didn't spend a few more hours in the office. No. What people normally say is, I wish I spent a bit more time with my family. And they come to realize that the most important things in life are our relationships, and that's what makes life rich. And you see this with those who have perhaps spent time pursuing things in life as if they were the most important thing. Not that they aren't substantial or good in themselves, but as if they are the ultimate thing. And that getting them makes us ultimately happy, whether that's finance and money, whether that's career success, whether that's romance, whether that's even a nuclear family. When we place that as the thing that's going to fulfill our lives totally, then there's always a sense of disappointment. Jim Carrey, the actor, famously said, I wish everyone could become rich and famous and realize that it's not the answer. So it's really important to have our priorities straight in life. And I think that as followers of Jesus, it's very easy for this to happen, to focus on the wrong things. 
we drift into missing the main and the plane. And of course, the main and the plane of being a follower of Jesus is Jesus himself. And it's amazing how often everything else can fill our minds and fill our lives and Jesus can get pushed to the sideline. We see this in the church. We get caught up in its traditions. We get caught up in rotors and groups and meetings and church politics. And we fail to see Jesus. So we get caught up in a Christian subculture. Have you heard what this celebrity pastor did recently? What about this worship band? And we take our eyes off Jesus. And so today... As we're at Palm Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to perhaps refocus and reprioritize, where we see Jesus for who he is, the servant king, and we come and we worship him. So if you've got a a Bible, can I invite you to have that open? We're in Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28. I think there are some old-fashioned paper copies around, or uh, you may want to open up the Bible on your phone. But it must have been quite a scene in Jerusalem at that time. Jesus is journeying towards Jerusalem through Luke's Gospel. He's always on his way to Jerusalem. It was the main thing that Jesus came for, and the Gospel writers want us to be clear about that. And at this time, it was the annual Jewish Passover festival, one of the key festivals within the Jewish tradition. And Jews had travelled from all around Israel and Palestine to come to the city to celebrate that festival, to come to be near the temple. And so we have this collection of different nations gathered for this key event. It must have been a real buzz, a real excitement. And then amongst this, you've got the Roman Empire, wanting to patrol, to keep their control, to manage any uprising. And so you've got the dynamic of, dynamic of empire added in. And then you, amongst that, you've got this Jesus movement, which was bubbling away, which was growing, this excitement about this messianic figure, this rabbi that was just attracting people performing great miracles, spending time with really unlikely characters for a rabbi to spend their time with, teaching in a way that no one had heard before. There was this uh, hysteria almost that was uh, growing around Jesus. And so Jerusalem is like this melting pot at this time. There's this uh, electricity that must have been in the city. And so at the beginning... Jesus tells his disciples to go and find him uh, a donkey. Verse 30, go into that village over there, he told them. And as you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying the colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. And so they went and found the colt, just as Jesus has said. And the fact that Jesus comes on a donkey is a kind of statement that he's making. He's saying that I'm a servant king, that I'm a humble king. He's challenging their preconceptions. I'm different from what you might imagine me to be. People were used to leaders of empire conquering cities, but they conquered cities on 
horses, and they came through violence. They came through uh, an army coming, and anyone who would dissent, they would take away in chains. It was a power game. Even the, the Jewish people at the time probably had that image in their mind as they interpreted Old Testament messianic promises about a coming king in the, through the lens of what they saw around them. They expected Jesus to come on a horse in power, wielding a sword, and yet Jesus comes on a simple donkey. See, Jesus wasn't coming to conquer a city through violence, but Jesus was coming to win our hearts through love. And his throne was a cross. And his crown was a crown of thorns. And it speaks to the kind of king that Jesus is as he comes into our lives. One of Jesus' favorite sayings, Mark 10, 45, the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and become a ransom for all. And it shows us the way of the kingdom that as we follow this king, that is the same way that we are to live ourselves. To live out this call to be servants, to lay down our lives for others, to live self-sacrificially and generously, to give ourselves away. And the paradox is that as we give ourselves away, just as Jesus did, that's when we find life in all its fullness. It shows us the kind of king that Jesus is, and it shows us the kind of kingdom that we are invited to. But this little account of the donkey also points to the authority of Jesus, because he is king after all. I love how casual but confident Jesus is. Just tell them that the Lord needs it. I'm going to steal this donkey from someone, but, you know, just tell them the Lord needs it, and it will be fine. The disciples must have been thinking, really? Are they just going to let me take this donkey? But they do, because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He had the authority to do that. And so we go on in the story, and Jesus is coming into Jerusalem as king. Verse 36, as he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, his followers began shouting and singing as they walked along, praising God for the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. It must have been quite a scene. If you've uh, ever been in a town or city when a celebrity or VIP is there, perhaps you'll have captured something of the atmosphere that day. Uh, I remember a number of years ago now, before Lydia and I had got married, and we went on a day trip to Paris, uh, and we went on the Eurostar, it was uh, one of us' uh, birthday present, I think. And we got up early, we went to St Pancras. We went on this train and, you know, it was a normal journey. We were enjoying probably a coffee and a, a pastry on the way into Paris, planning our day. And as we, we get off the station in, in Paris, uh, we start walking, walking down the um, uh, platform. Uh, and I noticed that there's some press, there's uh, some paparazzi, there's cameras, there's reporters, there's flashing lights... And I jokingly say to Lydia, oh, they've obviously heard that we're coming. Um, and in fact, Lydia was kind of looking around trying to think, who could the celebrity be? And it turned out, she said, it's Kimye. And I didn't know what Kimye meant. And she said, it's Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. 
uh, this celebrity couple. They happened to be on the same train that we were on. And they had arrived in Paris for Paris Fashion Week. And so as we entered, there was this great excitement around these celebrities that had come into the city. And it must have been a bit like that on that day in Jerusalem. People getting caught up. Some people would have known who Jesus was, perhaps even experienced his healing and his love. Others perhaps had heard stories. Others were just intrigued as to what was happening. But there was this excitement around Jesus. But it was a different kind of day to any celebrity coming to town because it wasn't just a man, but it was God who was coming as king. Israel's ancient prophets talked about a day when God himself would come and rescue his people and rule the world. God was coming as king. And in this day, that promise was being fulfilled. And so it's a day of worship as well. I love verse 40 where Jesus says, if you were to keep quiet, even the stones along the road would burst into cheers because I am worthy to be praised. I am worthy of worship because I am the king. And so there's just two things that I really want to encourage us with this morning from this amazing story. The first is this, Jesus is above it all. Because Jesus is, a, is king, it means that he is above it all. Life can feel quite chaotic at the moment, can't it? Uh, if we uh, open our news apps or we turn on the news, Ukraine is never far from what we see. And it can be heartbreaking to, to read the stories of children losing their lives, to read the stories of destruction in Ukraine, the peril of people uh, escaping of those refugees. It's... it's uh, a hard thing. It's a funny thing to live in that tension of being in peace here and yet seeing a war and violence and suffering close but yet far away. And then we still live with the kind of chaos of COVID, uh, just the unpredictability of life, even illustrated this morning with Mike being away and affecting all of us in different ways. Of course, the news about Sarah this week points to the brokenness and pain that we still experience in our world and the shock of that it is certainly hard to take. And then in our own lives, there'll be things that make life just feel chaotic, that cause us to ask questions. Is God really in control? Where is God? Does he really love me? And I think it's great to ask questions and at a time like this that we're living through, I'd encourage you, ask those questions, because questions are a sign of faith, not a sign of its absence. It shows that our faith is alive and Jesus can handle it. But Palm Sunday points us to something that we see in part today and we'll see fully when Jesus comes again. It's the fact that he is king. He is king of all. We see his kingdom today. The rule and reign of Jesus breaking into our lives as we experience his peace, as we experience his healing, as we share stories each week of what God's doing, lovely stories over the last few weeks, healing shoulders, providing work, providing uh, money financially. Jesus' kingdom is coming, and yet it's not fully come, and so, so we still experience the brokenness of our world. We see wars, we see 
cancer, we see COVID, we see chaos. But in that tension, we have hope, both because Jesus' kingdom is here, but also because it's coming. And one day he will come as king and his rule and reign will be established totally and forever. Some theologians talk about it a little bit like we live in the time between D-Day and B-E Day in the Second World War. D-Day was the cross, the day when the war was won, but the fighting really stopped in the Second World War at B-E Day. And that's when Jesus comes again as king. We have hope because he's king. He's lord over the cult. He's lord over COVID. In the end, he is lord over cancer because he's the God of resurrection and he's lord over all things. I love how Paul puts it in Colossians. He is above all things, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Nothing in this world, no one in this world is greater than Jesus. And so we can have peaceful hearts today because we know who's in charge. But the second thing that I want to bring is that Jesus is not only above it all, but he's with us today. There's a great family song uh, that we sometimes sing called, I'm a friend of God. And the words go like this, who am I that you are mindful of me? You hear me when I call. Is it true you're thinking of me, how you love me? It's amazing. And then the chorus, I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. Palm Sunday points us to the truth that, yes, Jesus is king and lord of the universe, but as he comes on a donkey, he comes in gentleness and humility, and he comes for friendship with us. It points to his character, that he is gentle. And from hosting conversations at things like Alpha, I've found that sometimes at the beginning of a a course, people want you to know that they definitely don't believe in God. And um, that's great, you know, at, at Alpha, because the reason why we're there is to have honest and big conversations about life and faith. But sometimes they'll say, well, what sort of God don't you believe in? And they say, well, I can never believe in a God who does X, Y, or or Z. And and they paint a picture of God who's like an overbearing head teacher or a disciplinarian father or a judge in a court. And if they say that, it's great because you can say, well, I don't believe in that God either. But let's look at the God that Jesus reveals. Jesus reveals a God who is gentle, who is humble, who is kind, who is always inviting us to come close. And sometimes I think we all need to play a bit of spot the difference between the view of God that can come up in our minds through the knocks and the the roller coaster of life. We start to believe wrong things about God. We play spot the difference between that view of God and the God that Jesus reveals. So whatever you are going through today, I pray that you would know the gentleness of God, the gentleness of Jesus, that he's always inviting us to come close. A donkey is not an intimidating animal. And it's interesting that as Jesus enters Jerusalem, he enters, verse 41, weeping. But as he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and he began to weep. Jesus was weeping over the suffering that Jerusalem would undergo 
many, well, a few years later in 70 AD, when much of the city was destroyed by the Romans. But that image of Jesus coming as king, but on a donkey weeping, it tells us that Jesus is with us as we weep, as we mourn in our pain. Whenever life feels chaotic, Jesus is with us. He's both king and he's both friend. So as I come into land, I want to go back to where we started. What's the priority for you today? What's the focus? What's the number one thing? We've got an opportunity to join in with the crowds and declare Jesus is king. He's king over my life. He's king over my heart. And I trust and I'm going to live in peace because I know he's king over this world. And there's an old pastor called Pastor Lockridge. And he expressed all this far better than I could. And so we're going to listen now to an expert, an expert, an excerpt of a sermon that he once did. Uh, and it will stir us into worship. So let's uh, listen to that now. The Bible says my king is 